0: This is the Drive-In Podcast, Episode 7, Take 1. Hey, hey, what do you say? Welcome to the seventh episode of The Drive-In Pod. We have a jam-packed episode for all of you listeners with a loaded checkup with yours truly, Dr. O. We have the first ever edition of a new segment, The Thermometer Predictor. Then we have a review of Netflix's uh, critically acclaimed hit, The Devil All the Time. And finally, we have a Vin Diesel-inspired top billing for the greatest songs released by actors. Should be a fun one. S T O. Once famously said, "Get your popcorn ready." Welcome to the drive-in pod. Hey, hey, Ricky Flex.
1: Seventh episode
0: of the drive-in pod. How are we?
1: Lucky number seven. I'm doing great, Doc. How about you?
0: Uh, if we're being honest, I'm hurting right now, Ricky Flex. Oh no!
1: Oh, I am no. hurting. Oh no! No. So,
0: we record on Sunday nights, okay. We always commit to that. Uh, whether the pod releases Monday is yet to be seen, but we always record on Sundays. Mm-hmm. So I recently joined uh, a men's league hockey team. Okay, looking to get my Uh-oh. legs under me. The
1: last two weeks might see where this is going.
0: So week one, I was I was basically a cone out there. Like, like I was getting dangled around, and I, I would I would call myself a pretty good hockey player. Uh, growing up, I, I would say I was, a goal, I was a goal scorer. Okay. No, no big deal. Um,
1: Not a big deal. So
0: I'm, now it's like game two, right? Tonight was like week two. I'm like, okay, I got my legs under me. Let's go. I scored a filthy goal tonight, but I also ah. took, yeah. Like I dummied the defense. Like it was, it was like, dummy. it, it was highlight dummy. real stuff. Like I like I would clip that and then put it in a YouTube clip and I might get like, that would be our, our best tweet in the history of the drive-in pop.
1: Wow. I'll look at the scatter report. good it was.
0: But I also took a slap shot to the ankle, and it is swollen. It's the size of Jupiter, buddy.
1: Jupiter, wow. Biggest planet.
0: Literally, I am gutting through this episode. I, I'm showing my ice pack right now to Ricky Flicks. It's, it's literally blue. against my ankle right now. It's just I, – I, I was a warrior. I was a warrior out there, and I still – Look at the this modesty. With, like, I might need – like after this episode, after I absolutely persevere and crush
1: this Modest, episode, yeah,
0: I might have to go to an ER. <laughs> I That's, think I might
1: have to go. Wow. I did not expect this conversation leading to the ER, but all right, let's get this episode out of the Dude, way then it for is, you. Huh? It
0: is bruised. <laughs> so Ricky Flex, wait, you, you don't look like you're in a your regular spot, your regular recording spot. Yes, yeah, so I'm look?
1: in a, a blank, a very white room because I am in a hotel in the great state of Vermont, as some would say, um, yeah, Vermont. I don't actually. It's 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 a great state. Yeah, it's great scenery. But besides that, it's very quiet and relaxing.
0: I'm just just on the or what?
1: Oh yeah, oh yeah. A lot of breweries around here. Going go on some hikes, some breweries, and you know, just enjoy this great environment.
0: Yeah, Vermont, man. Beautiful state. Um, okay, let's start, let's let's kick it off with the checkup, right? This week, we are jam-packed with news, okay? It's hard to, to find a place to begin, but we'll start off with some casting news. Uh, we have some casting news from the DCEU with Aldous Hodge being cast as Hawkman in DC's Black Adam with Dwayne Johnson, okay? So this is per The rap. okay? Uh, Aldous Hodge is known for his role in the TNT series Leverage, and uh, earlier in the year, he was uh, supporting... A uh, cast member of The Invisible Man, alongside Elizabeth Moss. So, Flix, what do you think about Aldous Hodge being cast as Hawkman?
1: Yeah, definitely. Aldous Hodge has the the physical presence of a potential superhero slash being a part of a superhero. Right? Invisible Man. I didn't love him in that movie, to be honest. Even though I loved the movie, um, I didn't not I didn't not like him. I did like him. I just didn't think he was even as close as as the other. Uh, actors, and especially not Elizabeth Moss, because she was phenomenal. Arguably, in this very depleted year of movies, uh, going to be up for nominated for an Oscar for that. But, but yeah, didn't love him. But from that movie, you could see he was absolutely yoked. Every single shirt He's a was basically, big dude. yeah, he was basically. It was basically skin tight, showing off how strong it was. It was basically an audition for this role. And I actually can't wait to see him and The Rock go at it. And then my final thoughts on this was. I'm looking at his filmography before this, uh, prepping for the podcast, and, because I can't really think of any other movies, like, very big movies that he's in, that I've mm-hmm. seen, and like, if you, if you ask me to name five movies he's been in, in a prominent role, I can't really give it to you, but I could tell you a lot of TV shows, and one in particular, Dr. L. do you, do you know what I'm thinking of? Aldous Hodge, I do not. I think immediately, Friday Night Lights, <laughs> Voodoo Tatum. Oh, the guy they, they oh, bring my in the god to replace Is he Harrison. the guy with
0: the fake address?
1: No, 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 no. That's li- oh, spoiler uh, that's later in the seasons. But um voodoo Tatum is like the guy they bring in from Louisiana. Oh, it, no, it is
0: Voodoo. He plays Voodoo.
1: Yeah, he plays Voodoo Tatum. No way. Yeah, like the boosters of the Fire Night Lights, they bring him in. So that's immediately what I thought of. And like he was really good on that show, like for that one season. I haven't seen. I like. I like. I didn't
0: even know that was him, dude. Like Friday Night Lights, they like they have studs that just come out of nowhere. Like Jesse Plemons, Michael B. Jordan. We're gonna talk about Journey Smollett
1: Ball later. Kyle Chandler.
0: Kyle Chandler. Like they they phenomenal show.
1: That show and the woman, uh, she's phenomenal as well. Connie Britton. Connie Britton, thank you. Oh, that show's phenomenal. Dude, on, and voodoo, voodoo Tatum, baby, Louisiana. I can't
0: believe that's him. Now I see it completely, but I haven't seen that show in years to be honest. Phenomenal. Um, when I heard this news, I was kind of surprised by it, but not really. Um, we know black Adam, like the premise of the story is that he's going to be taking on the JSA. Uh, comprised of like Adam Smasher. Okay. Hawkman, uh, Cyclone. And I think supernova is the last one or yeah, I think it's supernova. Um, so very um popular comic book group, okay? But um Noah Centineo was cast as Adam Smasher, who's like somewhat well known. He's known for his rom coms. All this hodge is not like a grab, like a headline grab really in my opinion i was a little thrown off when i uh, was reading about all this hodge beyond the invisible man and it said like headliner for like a tnt series that turned me off so hard <laughs> it's like lead, <laughs> i totally lead, agree the lead in tnt's leverage i'm like dude what is this like this, this is just a show that's on after bones like like <laughs> no one watches. never seen an episode but uh you you're right like he looks like hawkman right i know he's traditionally a white character but he has like i don't know if it's like his posture and like the way he is like he just looks like a superhero that would Mm -hmm. like somehow find a way either into the mcu or the dceu and i think dceu is almost easier to break into so like the casting really doesn't like surprise me at all but i did i didn't mind him in invisible man i thought he was solid he didn't like blow my socks off or anything like it was right yeah but uh I, I think he's also in some... Uh, he's going. He's in a, uh, an independent film that's getting a lot of buzz right now. I can't um, think of the name right now, but I know he is a hot actor on the list.
1: Okay, hence like, um, why DC would probably want to super, grab him before movies. MCU. Probably grab him, and especially with the Jonathan right. Majors. And I think
0: he splash. is on the rise right now.
1: Mm-hmm. And Jonathan Majors already went to the MCU yes. that we talked about last week. Um, they definitely wanted to grab another hot commodity and... Obviously, Aldous Hodge, like you just said with the independent film, he's a hot commodity. Let's grab him.
0: Yeah. So that's the first uh, news uh, for this uh, this week's checkup. Let's go over some movie delays that happened that really took the movie world by storm last week. Man. Let's just run through them really quick.
1: It's a long list. I don't know if it's going to be that quick.
0: So – We tweeted them out last week. Movie delays. Black Widow was uh, moved from November 2020 to May 7th, 2021. Okay, more than a year after it was initially supposed to release. Unbelievable. On May 1st, 2020. We have Eternals. That was moved from uh, February 2021 to November 5th, 2021. Also a year after it was initially supposed to release. Then we have uh, Steven Spielberg's. Remake of West Side Story starring, starring Ansel Elgore delayed a whole year to December 10th, 2021. And we had Death on the Nile delayed to December 18th, 2020. This, Ricky Flicks, I can almost, I can confirm, it is the worst year in history for the box office.
1: This is the yeah, worst no year doubt. ever. No doubt. No doubt. A movie like Tenant only pulling in less than $20 million domestically in a month when it, may, it was over 800 million dollars to make and making i know globally made a little over 200 million so far in the month of september and i think that 280 from what i was looking at oh wow 280 that's actually a lot more than i thought but still domestically the three largest markets los angeles or three of the five largest markets los angeles new york city and then san francisco they're all closed no theaters they have some drive-in theaters but still like in los angeles mainly But those theaters are closed. Only sixty-five percent of capacity, or sixty-five percent of theaters, are open across the U.S. So, definitely terrible year for movies. These delays, I think, are just the final dagger in the box office uh, numbers here, showing that all right, this movie, uh, this this industry is going to basically die this year, or not die, but basically suspended for the rest of the year, and then next year just restart. Hopefully, if COVID is appropriately like managed. Never know about that, but then again, ho- hopefully twenty twenty one will be jam packed. Right now it is, but let's hope. Let's just hope for the best.
0: This is a direct impact of uh, from tenant. This is a response yes. with the reaction to Tenet. This is a reaction, I should say, by studios from the performance of Tenet. Uh, supposed to be a, a movie that was going to bring back uh, audiences to the movie theater. Okay, it, According to sources, they're saying uh, Tenant needs, needs to still make $120 million to break even at this point. Um, and if Tenet is not going to make this type of money... Okay, a lot of movies like Steven Spielberg's West Side Story, Death in the Nile, it spells Dune for them. I think it's only uh, a matter of time until Dune gets pushed back for probably a year, okay? Especially because Warner Brothers is in charge of distributing um, Dune, just like they were in charge of distributing Tenet, okay? They're not going to want to make the same mistake twice. Dune is arguably the most anticipated movie of the year, okay? So they can't make that mistake twice. So as much as we want to see Dune... I don't think it's happening. I don't think it's happening. Um, oh, man. And I, this is the first year we're not getting an MCU movie in a year since 2009.
1: That, right? that stat, I think, was – I had to do a double take on that. It's insane to think about. It, like, some years you have like, only one or two MCU movies, such as, like, Infinity War, Endgame. I'm obviously, uh, closer to us in recent times, uh, 2018, 2019. But, honestly, that's actually a shocker. That Like every year is kind of defined by an MCU movie almost. And this yeah. year not having one is insane to think about. And another thing I want to mention is West Side. You mentioned West Side Story. Yep. And I think the only person that benefits from this post-production or Say post uh, yeah, this delay is Ansel Elgore. 100%. Like I know right before we started the podcast is when the allegations came out and we won't discuss them now, but he right now is in some trouble. And he, he was, uh, he was
0: apparently had a relationship or was talking with someone that was underage or something like that. Correct.
1: Yeah. Minor. Uh, um, yeah. Um, minor. Yeah. Minors, thank you. Um, but people by let's say is this West side story, probably going to be a summer movie then next year. If I had to guess, Uh,
0: think? it's no, it's December next year.
1: Oh, it's December next year. Oh God. People are going to, unless like more allegations come out, people are going to forget this. And that's not good, to be honest. And well, not to be honest, just reality. And this is the only person that's probably going to benefit from this delay. This
0: provided an excuse kind of mm. for uh, this movie to get pushed back. It's like an excuse to like kind of save the uh, media. Save the image of the Elmore movie kind of brings. Mm-hmm. Yep.
1: There, exactly. was about, and, uh, there was some talk was about. There was some talk about recasting, like situation. redoing. It. it. So
0: it's like it's it's really good, right? Yeah, yeah. There was, and um, I think I think Spielberg's got to be happy with this that he doesn't have to worry about this as this uh, obviously this hassle. So it's like, and then I'm I'm actually very excited for this movie. Like I've seen the still images that have come out from it. Oh, we yeah, yet of to course. see its trailer, but you know, like with a talent like Ansel Elgort and the cast, and then a movie being pre- like a basically constructed by Steven Spielberg. It's going to be something special. Okay. And it's dealing with a source, a source material that is so beloved that everyone wants to see. Loved. Yeah. I, I I love the initial West side story. Okay. i holds mean, up I'm to this fan. day. Yes. And like, it definitely does hold up. And I like the musical numbers, the choreography, mm-hmm. it's all sensational. Rita Moreno. Okay. I know she's going to have a role in this upcoming remake. I'm excited to see what that's going to be. But, uh, it's sad that we have to wait a year, but it's also a good thing, as we mentioned before. And then, um, Eternals, man, I wanted to see Eternals like that. That was my MCU movie. I wanted to see that way, way more yep. than Black Widow. And it's like it was pretty heartbreaking to see that pushed back, base of over a year from when it was initially supposed to release.
1: Yeah, Eternals with that cast, Jon Snow, Rob Stark, are you kidding me? <laughs> I like, want to see
0: that reunite. I want to see that uh, reunion so bad, man.
1: Yeah, and spoiler alert for 1917, but Rob Stark being a surprise appearance at the end of that movie, like holy uh-huh. crap! Like that made my like that like that movie itself, 1917. I thought was great. I thought and, it was, and he's you know, a brother brighter. to Tumman. Yeah, to Tumman exactly. Yep. Um, uh, but uh, that was just a phenomenal guest uh, cameo, and that hyped, hyped, hyped me up more for Eternals, and just to see. That be delayed again, just having to wait for Hard, such a core part of the future of the MCU is just disappointing, but understandable after the performance of Tenant and COVID-19, but looking forward to the better.
0: It's so ironic that we started this movie podcast and this movie blog, and our first thought, like, idea that popped in our head is to, is to make the slogan MMTCA make movie theaters cool again, and oh. they immediately
1: <laughs> shut down forever once we did it. Are we the jinx to movie theaters? We could
0: be. Dude, did you hear what um, Ben Affleck said regarding movie theaters, perchance? No. What did he say? Okay. So Ben Affleck, I agreed with this 100%. I, I plan on writing a blog about it. But he kind of laid out what he thinks is going to happen with movie theaters. What's going to happen is that the movies like that he, that he has shot, like The Town, Gone Baby Gone, those will cease to exist in movie theaters. Movie theaters will only basically uh, – be homes to Marvel movies, to DCU movies. Okay. Major blockbusters, Mm -hmm. maybe not even tenant. Okay. They have to like like for franchises and then everything else will be streaming. Okay. And I, that has me so nervous, but I think it is going to happen. I think it's almost inevitable, especially with the takeover that Netflix has had during this quarantine period, which we're going to talk about later. Um, and it's 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 kind of scary because like when, like going to a movie theater, I think like the prices are going to jack up, okay? Since there's going to be they're going to be so exclusive to go to potentially, like you're probably Once looking for a they're they're gonna thirty dollar ticket to go.
1: Oh my god, Ben Affleck, he's a genius. Not only is he a directorial genius, he's a genius just in strategy in the movie theater it's, business.
0: No, no, but it's like I, I think he wasn't even like trying to. He's just saying what it's going to be. I think he. It's, I didn't it's think scary. of that. It's staring us all in the face. And like, are like, yeah. like, like the Invisible Man that will not be in theaters. Like it would, it would just be Marvel movies, Star it Wars. That was such like a like good movie to see in
1: theaters. Yes, Invisible Man. Wow. That movie was so suspenseful. If that was, if I saw that at my house, I wouldn't feel the same as if it was in a theater.
0: That 100%. was remarkable in theaters. Oh my
1: god! But also, I won't want to spoil the rest of the news. But or check up. But later on, it kind of makes sense with the. Uh, later on, the uh, listeners you'll find out with a little end of the checkup about what I mean.
0: Hundred percent, and we yeah, we're gonna definitely mention Netflix. Um, keeping up with the uh, Marvel news, okay? Little. Uh, something more on the brighter side, we are getting a new Disney Plus series on the way featuring Samuel L. Jackson's Nick Fury. Samuel L. Jackson is set to reprise the role of Fury in a new Marvel series currently in development. It's going to be on Disney Plus, obviously. The exact plot de- details of the show are being kept under wraps, but multiple sources say Jackson is attached to star with Kyle Bradstreet attached to write and executive produce. Like all other Marvel shows at Disney Plus, Marvel Studios will produce. Ricky Flicks, we are getting a Nick. Fury series. What was? What's your uh, response?
1: Excited, excited, excited. Agents of Shield slash Coulson series. Why did he get one before Samuel Jackson? I don't know. Maybe Samuel Jackson was busy. Probably not. I'm just happy that finally he gets one. And sure, you might look at it like, oh, what does he do? He's just elite. Like he brings them all together. But Nick Fury is so much more than that. If you like, look in the comics and what he does behind the scenes before the Avengers are even together. And I, I. I don't know if that, if this series would go into that or it will go into after uh, the, like what we just saw in the MCU after Endgame. but no matter what, Nick Fury is such a fascinating character. I can't wait to see what they do. And with such a highly touted actor, Samuel L. Jackson, and not only how touted, but so popular he's in capital one ads and TNT ads all the time with Charles Barkley and Spike Lee. Everyone knows him. Everyone loves him and adores him. People are going to watch no matter what. So, not only with the character, but the actual actor. I'm so excited to see this. And my last point with this is that Captain Marvel kind of showed a backstory with him. And not enough, though. Not enough for such an important character for the Avengers and MCU. So I would love to see more of that backstory. I don't know if, the, like I said, I don't know what the plot lines are going to be for this series. But I'm just looking forward to seeing more Nick Fury, more Samuel L. Jackson as the main character, as such a prominent actor in Hollywood. And... Seeing what they're going to, MCU is going to do with it.
0: Yeah, I mean, like, I think, I think I would say a lot of, I would say most of the Marvel faithful would want to see an Origin series. Uh, they did such a great mm. job de aging him uh, in Captain Marvel. It looked like he was, like, in 90, 1993 starring along, alongside Bruce Willis. And Die Hard with a Vengeance, like he looked literally like that character minus the glasses. Yes. Yes. So, um, I was a big fan of that de aging process. I don't know if it would hold up for a whole series. I wouldn't mind if they ditched like the story that they put forth in Captain Marvel. Just scrap it. Go to the beginning with um, Nick Fury. Mm. But um, what I really want to see, and I mentioned this in my blog, I want to see Nick Fury tied in the series, tied into him discovering the Fantastic Four. Okay, that is where Nick Fury. Uh, is most popular in the comic books, okay? His relationship with Marvel's first family, okay? And, like, this series would be a perfect way to introduce the Fantastic Four, okay? um, And we, I honestly, you could easily make this work, even if they decide not to do an origin story. Instead, they take, uh, they pick it up, right, from the end of Far From Home. I won't say exactly what happens. Let's just, let's just say uh, he's in a location, I mean, I might just say spoiler alert here. He is in a spaceship, right, at the end of Far From Home. And uh, where does the Fantastic Four get powers? They're in outer space, okay? So, like, you can easily work something around here, okay? Um, it's, it was about time that Nick Fury got his own series. Samuel L. Jackson, okay, was literally written for the part. Right? Even before he was cast, they wrote Nick Fury in the comic books, like a modern take on Nick Fury to look exactly like Samuel L. Jackson because they knew there's going to be an Avengers movie and they want they were going to cast him because the comic book was already written for him. So it's like it's like crazy. He's been in eleven Marvel movies. Eleven. Right? And I think sure his brand, after like going away for a couple of years, it's gotten a bit stronger. It's gotten a bit stronger because, like the Captain Marvel, he had um, a strong supporting role. Far from Home, strong supporting role. Um, very powerful scene at the end of Endgame. His stocks on the rise. Samuel Jackson is Samuel Jackson. If you have a chance to make a series with him, it's going to be cash money, baby. Okay, so give me exactly. that series. It uh, introduced a Fantastic Four. Definitely,
1: yeah. definitely.
0: Um, where we go next? So we have a rumor. Ricky Flicks, okay? No Leonardo no DiCaprio, <laughs> DiCaprio might be teaming up with Adam McKay for a new Netflix film. We got Leo coming to streaming, okay? Uh, it's a movie that's uh, called Don't Look Up, and the synopsis is a pair of astronomers try to warn everyone on Earth that a giant meteorite will destroy the planet in six months, okay? It's a comedy, all right, that's uh, allegedly – starring uh jennifer lawrence in uh uh, in cape blanchett alongside dicaprio all right it's expected to start shooting in 2021 okay so flicks what is your reaction to this wild rumor
1: like what you just said it's a wild rumor i hope it's true and we know that it's a valid rumor because you might think oh leo dicaprio someone with that prestige someone that doesn't make a ton of movies makes movies like once every four years sometimes even like if you look at the revenant in 2015 and then his next movie was in 2019 once upon a time in hollywood as a main role he he picks and picks and chooses he's very picky about his roles and makes similar to a daniel day lewis type right Mm -hmm. so it's interesting to see him pairing up with an adam mckay with a netflix movie adam mckay he's a great writer great producer great director Big Short, The Other Guys, Step Brothers, Vice, um, Anchorman, just this creative genius behind those movies. I love movies. Adam McKay, dude. I he's an Adam unbelievable McKay. director and he's writer. one of my favorites. Yeah, and he's great, not only because he's great on the comedic side, like you mentioned with this movie, it's going to be a, a comedy. But you know it's going to be something like a uh, with if you have a Leo and Jennifer Lawrence in, a, in this movie, it's also going to have a dramatic side for sure. Similar to like a yeah. Big Short, where you laugh the entire time, but then again, it has serious consequences. Similar to I'm a meteor anticipating coming to a big Earth, Big
0: Short type of feel to it.
1: Yeah, I think I think that's that. a good assumption to make. Um, definitely, this blend of comedy and drama is gonna have to come together around this outlandish story. Right, this story is mm-hmm. kind of absurd. A meteor coming to Earth is gonna th- that log line that you just uh, read to the audience there, Doc, is so broad and. Is probably it does gonna not be
0: sound like a Leo movie, dude. Exactly, it does not sound like a Leo movie,
1: it just has no depth to it. So, it, there has to be a lot more to that, and that goes to the acting and the characters and how Jennifer Lawrence, Kate Blanchett, and Leo are going to interact in this movie. I can't wait a to see what powerhouse cast, dude. It's a great cast so far, and I can't wait to see who's g- gonna be added on to this.
0: Mm-hmm. So, uh, I when I saw the name DiCaprio next to McKay, I was thinking like, what if somehow DiCaprio was in The Big Short? Like, I think like he would have like him bouncing off a Gosling, him bouncing off a Brad Pitt, him bouncing off Bale. Like, imagine DiCaprio was in that movie, The Big Short. It's in my top five for the best movies the last ten years, for sure. It might. I think it. I'm even bold enough to say it cracks the top three. One of wow. my favorite movies last ten That's years. That movie was phenomenal. I was a little um, disappointed with McKay's effort in Vice, but uh, I think this has potential, man. And if Leo signed on. You know the script's got to be pretty good. It shows his trust in Adam McKay, who's a, now a two-time Oscar nominee, um, which is kind of wild for the guy who directed Anchorman. So and, and was a t- t- it? It t- is t- wild. It is wild. Yeah. And
1: him pairing up not only with Adam and McKay, but with a streaming service again next year. Don't Mm. forget that he's pairing up with Scorsese and De Niro for an Apple streaming platform movie. Oh yeah. Killers of the fire moon. Yes. So it's, I think this is going to start even a bigger trend. So you already seen this trend of Netflix becoming a prominent, uh, movie uh, production studio. And if you get arguably the biggest actor in Hollywood, maybe the best actor of all time, arguably hot take. Yes. To say, all right, I don't need to be seen on the big screen. My beautiful face, my great acting talent doesn't have to be seen on a big screen. It could be seen at home on a computer or a TV. Then that's going to pave ways for the industry as a whole. And also kind of what we were just saying with the movie delays hurt the movie uh, theater industry a lot. Because I, the A-list of A-list actors saying, I don't need to be seen on the big screen, that's a statement statement and a Mm. half especially when he's barely in movies like i mentioned so this is a huge statement that leo's making having two movies next year come out streaming people used to look
0: down on movies that went direct to streaming of course i still kind of do not anymore though yeah so like netflix is changing the game right now dude so uh Basically, DiCaprio was like an actor back in the day. He'd be like, okay, I am made for the big screen. I would never do a streaming movie mm-hmm. yet, right? He's doing Killers of the Flower Moon for Apple TV. Right? It was bought for a crap ton of money. Scorsese, De Niro, money. DiCaprio. Oh, that. But, then, uh, now, but like Netflix owns the world right now, dude. They are insane. So it much just, cash. Like, they So let's let's just go over like the near future. Okay, and the the present uh, the the pr- what the present slate says about Netflix. So we ha- we're reviewing The Devil All the Time, featuring Tom Holland and Robert Pattinson in a movie. Okay, oh. two of the biggest movie stars on the planet. Okay, Netflix is notorious, right, like, for like for casting one major star and then a bunch of supporting characters that no one knows about. They are absolutely, uh, rev- like they are evolving very quickly okay trial of chicago seven they have an aaron sorkin movie and the cast for that movie is rivals any cast right including dune for movies that are coming out this year right eddie redmayne sasha barone cohen okay i know that's the second guy i mentioned but uh that cast is phenomenal okay so i'm just and now we have leo adam mckay it's just like netflix is literally taking over the world, and it's like it's hurting movie theaters. But it's so easy for me to turn on a TV. I watch The Devil all the time. for the second time this morning, dude. Right? I would. I don't have to go to a the theater to go see it, and I get to see yeah. Robert Pattinson in a movie that came out literally two weeks ago. Like I, I, that, that's incredible technology, and it's so much power for the viewer. Mm-hmm. I'm 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 a fan of it, I, but I love movie theaters. It's 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 a tough, um, it's a tough line that you uh. That a, that a viewer is on, like you obviously want to go to the movies, okay? I want
1: but to you support that th- industry?
0: Yeah, you want to support, especially us, right? Make movie
1: theaters cool again. Always will. But
0: it's so accessible. It's it, it's it's, it's changing the game, and quarantine's only helped Netflix.
1: Definitely, and just to bring it back to this pairing of Leo and Anna McKay, like Doc, like, you can't think of many Leo movies where he has that comedic vibe to him. yeah it's like wolf of so wall street. you think a wolf of wall street Django a little bit and he was still kind of yeah. serious in that so this is going to be really something once upon for a, leo. Time a little bit actually yeah once upon a time good point good point but this is going to really bring out some different acting expertise from leo and i can't wait to see it
0: what if he what if he's just like is outstandingly funny in this movie, like a whole different side of Leo. Maybe that's what Mm. he's going for, right? He knows McKay can maybe bring something out of him that he hasn't really shown before. Yes, he's played a comedic side with Jordan Belfort, but there's also some very serious parts to that movie, okay? And then once upon a time, there are very serious parts, but there's also obviously the comedic side. What if he goes all in on the comedy, okay? Maybe he's not, he already has this Oscar, right? So he's trying to evolve these roles that he's in. Okay, he's trying to go, he's going to push his boundaries, try yes. something new. So I'm excited Complete
1: for it. Complete actor. Uh, speaking. Oh, wait, speaking oh my God. Dr. O, Dr. O, Dr. O, Dr. O. I just Googled Leonardo DiCaprio. And you know how Google has those search results with those questions where like you Google, like if I Googled, yep. yeah, Leonardo DiCaprio. It like DiCaprio. tries to
0: predict what you're going to say.
1: Exactly. But uh, no, no. So after you, like, you press search and then it has those. Like questions that come up that you could click the arrow for a quick answer. Okay. And one of the questions is, uh, did Leo DiCaprio date Blake Lively? He did. I didn't even know that in 2011. No, dude, I, you, you didn't
0: have to Google that, or you know, I didn't Google that. that. I it told just you that. popped up. Right. I was now. all over that. I I could tell you, dude. Leo's dating history is phenomenal.
1: Right. Well, can you enlighten yeah. me? It's f- didn't he, did he date one of the dolls? I don't, I, I don't know his dating history. All I know is that he likes uh, the, like, the vaping. And Olivia Kuplo,
0: Did he date Olivia Kuplo? I don't know. I just thought that I was, I was a wild Google
1: I don't, search result. To I, I, don't, pop I guess up I don't know it as right, well as I right thought. Right away. Just <laughs> but, uh, that's wild no, that popped up.
0: I knew Blake Lively. That was a wild oh, Blake
1: thing. Lively, from Leo to Ryan Reynolds. Wow. Okay. Sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt up.
0: No, it's okay. But uh, going on with the Netflix releases, we also have a uh, – this one's actually not a rumor. This is, this is happening. We have a new Netflix movie uh, coming uh, starring Chris Hemsworth, Miles Teller, Journey, Sm- uh, Journey Smollett Ball, right? and a new movie called Spiderhead. All right? This is an adaption of a dystopian short story, Escape from Spiderhead by George Saunders. This news comes from The Hollywood Reporter. Synopsis for the movie, Uh, it's set in the near future. The story follows two young convicts in a facility run by a visionary who experiments on inmates with drugs that alter their emotions. Okay? Flicks. Pretty good cast here. Once again, Netflix showing out. What do we think of the combination of Hemsworth and Teller?
1: Oh, I love the actors involved. I, if you think of those two actors, you think of a lot of com- either comedic or just action-oriented roles, right? You think Chris Hemsworth, you think Thor, Extraction. You, um, actually, Rush is a great movie, but also kind of action-oriented, right? With the race car movie, Driving, it was also in my top billing of sports movies. Fun fact, go back and listen to that. But mm-hmm. with Miles Teller, especially, he is kind of teetottering along, is he good or is he just... Uh, well-known potential, overrated. overrated and whiplash. Unbelievable. And that, that indie film that ended up being well-renowned, well-critically. Might crack the top five for movies the past 10 years. That also, also, yes, 2014, I believe. But these two have a lot to prove in this movie. And this provey, this movie, oh, provie, movie, <laughs> this is going to give it to them. This, this story is going to show their true acting abilities if it's directed on the right path. And hopefully mm-hmm. it, it does that and gives, it, gives them the opportunity to show their, not their worth, obviously, because they're worth a lot of money, but their true acting ability. And honestly, I can't, I can't wait to see it. And again, Netflix, like you said, killing it. They're just spending cash. and just, This is
0: yet another example, dude, where they just recruit absolute amazing talent now.
1: Mm-hmm. Not just
0: one. No man. one's afraid to go there right and like like people want to now now it's like a destination studio it's like joining a warner brothers
1: unbelievable right? they like have the cash Universal. they have the money
0: it's, it's like it's like joining a disney netflix is massive now journey even journey smell at ball we mentioned um who's it who's uh Jesse Plum's girlfriend in friday night lights and she's also in yes. uh the recent harley quinn movie right the uh, Fantabulous emancipation of one harley quinn yeah, but she's, I think she played uh, Black Canary. I think that's right. I think, yeah, that's, go I think that, was, that was her name. Yes. But uh, I'm excited for this movie. I, I'm a little concerned with this, these dystopian movies. A lot of times they don't end up panning out. A lot of times they add for confusion for audience members. I know they did a, a rendition of Brave New World on Peacock with Alden Ehrenreich that bombed hard. Okay, So it's just like these dystopian movies like sometimes don't pan out the way they uh, – the way they do when uh, from the original source material, a lot of times with dystopian novels they go fantastically, but when they try to adapt movies into them, they sometimes don't work as well.
1: Yeah, okay? you wonder. But, uh, you, you wonder what like near, like you said, near future. Like what's the near future, and what's important to in, in, uh, distinguish in this films like technology and the, the years coming up here, right? Like what's going to be the new tech that yeah. they're going to try to bring to the fold to say this is a sick, audience. Make sure you take this away from the movie. I don't know what they're going to do with a movie about like with this story, right. Uh, two guys escaping prison, like what new tech is going to be involved and why is this dystopian future society so important to the story about such a thing. It's like about a prison escape movie that we've seen a million times.
0: Right. So, and then also people are skeptical with technology that comes in these dystopian movies. I think people kind of judge them and like, they say, like, okay, that's not realistic or like that already exists or whatever. Like people like audience are audiences are very critical with this dystopian type of stories, but you got names like Teller. I think, I think you mentioned it with Teller that he is border, like bordering the overrated side. Like he, what's the last yeah, like, good movie he has done, right? So it's like I, I, am a, I am a fan of Miles Teller. He bombed the Fantastic Four, the one shot he had at a superhero movie. He was wow. great at Whiplash, but that's five years ago, okay? What, what, what have you done for me lately, bud, okay? Show mm, me something out of one room for you because I know you're talented. But it's like you also have like the bravado in this movie, right, that the confidence you have from Hemsworth and Miles Teller who both think like they're the greatest things in the world. I can't yep. wait to see them play off one another. I think that's going to be pretty cool to see.
1: Yeah, definitely, definitely.
0: All right, Ricky Flicks. That does it for this week's checkup, okay? Um, next, we are going to move on to our first ever edition of the Thermometer Predictor featuring Aaron Sorkin's The Trial of the Chicago 7 set to debut October 16th on Netflix, okay? Um, we mentioned the cast Right, we talked about Yaya. We're gonna talk about Yaya Abdul Mateen the we have already talked about Sasha brown Cohen, Eddie Redmayne, okay, JGL, our boy, okay. We talked about Mark Rylance, okay. We got Sorkin uh in the director's chair, Ricky Flicks. What do you think? So first off, I mentioned the movie. What we do with the thermometer predictor is that we um predict the scores, the rotten tomato scores for upcoming films okay so we are looking at the trial of chicago 7 flicks what are your initial thoughts uh on the score of this
1: upcoming movie well it's a sorkin movie so it's got to be great okay so let's just start off there sorkin i know this is only second that he uh, had his debut for directing in 2016 with molly's game great movie some people did not consider it as highly as i i do but still consider it as a good movie, good overall movie, not necessarily great. I think this will be better than that because he's going to learn from his past mistakes directing in that movie. And the story in itself is really prevalent at the time right now. I also think that's going to be a deterrent as well, maybe trying to push it too much. Hopefully Sorkin just sticks to his roots, sticks to his guns and just goes what he was going to do before this pandemic and also the Black Lives Matter, uh, his protest movement right now happening. And this cast, this cast is phenomenal. I definitely think like you have Oscar nominated, Oscar winning performances in this cast from earlier movies and earlier, earlier roles that they've been in. And I think that this movie is going to be phenomenal. I I won't, I I don't think I can put it in the nineties. I just, I I'm teetottering that point. Like it's Sorkin automatically moves it to a 75. This cast, give it another 10% for me, 85. And I think the story in itself is a historical event that you could make into a great movie and we'll give it a couple extra points. But I just don't see it I don't I just don't see it being in the nineties doc. So I'm gonna go eighty-eight for eighty eight percent as my predictor. What about you?
0: So you mentioned a lot of the points that I'm already that uh, I was already thinking of. So you got Sorkin. Okay, anything he writes, like you're automatically certified. You're you gotta think you're already certified fresh in that point. Directorial debut, Molly's Game. I thought was a very good movie. Okay, I love Jessica Chastain in that movie. I thought she was phenomenal. Um, and like you said, this is his second major release as a director, and he's probably learned from his mistakes. Okay, he's got a very topical, um, uh, subject, right? focusing on uh, inciting riots, uh, proper ways to protest, okay, Um, racial injustice. Um, I think that critics are going to love that, right? Typically they do, okay? And the messages that are going to be sent from this movie, I think it's clear that they're going to be related to what's going on today. Although this movie was shot way before the Black Lives Matter movement took off this year, Okay? And uh, we've had those obviously obviously controversial protests that are happening. So I'm not that nervous that he's going to push the agenda too much. Um, It's going to be fresh in people's minds, but he wasn't uh, thinking of Black Lives Matter when he was writing this movie. You know what I mean? So it's like, he probably isn't going to push the agenda too much, in my opinion. I think Sorkin, I mentioned this early on in another pod, his expertise is obviously his writing ability and the way he has characters interact with one another. And the court scene, I, the court scenes, like that's the setting for most of this movie, okay. And the ability for like Sorkin, right? The way he writes dialogue, I think it's, he's really going to excel with this movie. I think he's going to provide a hell of a lot of dra- dramatic moments in the courtroom, okay. Um, I'm, ar- I'm already hearing like whispers of Yahya Abdul Mateen, like his performance, okay. Mark Rylance, his performance. They're talking about early Oscar buzz. The acting, as we said, the cast is phenomenal. Maybe it's gonna be hard to distribute, right, enough screen time for all of them. That was time, gonna be right? my next
1: point. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
0: So I'm looking for and we're gonna talk about that with Devil all the time. Um uh I, I'm really looking forward to Jeremy Strong, okay. Now an Jeremy Emmy Strong. winner. Okay. So um I'm excited to see his performance here. I'm, I'm a huge Jeremy Strong. So what are you giving him? it? What do you speak of the big What's your story, predictor? Ninety three percent. 93 percent. Uh, yes. I, I think it's going to be a I I told you this is my pick for my early pick for best picture.
1: So, all right. So I think it's a good score. I think it's high, obviously, since I have an 88, mm-hmm. let's just think back here. So a few good men, very well, a uh, well-known movie that Sorkin wrote and had an influential part. in, obviously since mm-hmm. he wrote it, when you think of that movie, you only think of the court scenes and mm-hmm. Outside the court scenes, I actually think they're underrated scenes, but a lot of critics and me, myself, will, it's just not even close to the courtroom scenes. I'm afraid that same thing is going to happen here. And I'm afraid that we saw in that in those previews with Justin Gordon-Levitt carrying those courtroom scenes. I know Sacha Baron Cohen will be the witness, but if we compare a few good men to this movie, you have Jack Nicholson as the witness one arguably the best actor of all time to Sasha Barracone, who I bet is going to be phenomenal in this movie, uh, maybe nominated for an Oscar. Like, they're going to be rotating but,
0: who's on the stand.
1: At right. Point. But my main point is just Gordon Levitt, will he be the Tom Cruise point in this movie in the courtroom? And if he is, I think Tom Cruise is an exceptional actor, uh, non action movie wise. And like early, like in the 80s and 90s, he, do- like he was such Underrated. a great actor. Underrated. People only think of him for Scientology and all this 21st century they think of it Mission
0: impossible they, right they, they, or minority so,
1: so much more than that he just went for the for the fun interactive paycheck movies with mission impossible and all these other movies in the 21st After century he got
0: robbed in the 90s for all those roles he had like eyes and wide no oscars shut. exactly no, he so he's earn. like
1: exactly so he went, all right if i'm not gonna get an oscar even though i deserve one i'm going to get paid and paid big and become the biggest actor in hollywood and he did that and hey you know what I probably would do the same thing if I was in his shoes. But I think that if you go back to a few good men and you compare his, his performance in that, I don't think anybody in this movie is going to carry this movie like that. And even though it's such a great cast, like you said, you have to divide the screen time between everybody and who's the main just, character who's, who's going to be the main, main character? character who's going to be the prominent guy that takes over the stage take over the role and i just don't see anyone doing that like tom cruise did in a few good men or like jack nicholson did in that final climactic climatic scene in a few good men i just don't see that happening dr l
0: yeah so if you had to put a bet on it who's going to steal this who's going to be the best scene stealer in this movie what well, do you think it is
1: I think Sasha Baron Cohen on the stand, um, if, so? but if it I had to go out that of way land, in the trailer, that's exactly. I'm just t- going off the st- trailer, but I honestly, if I had to take another guess, Jeremy, Jeremy Strong. Bike. Yeah, I think Every so too. I,
0: I think yeah, yeah, with the racial injustice like that's true, happened true, during, true. during the civil rights movement. But I also want to talk about, like I think the court scenes are going to be very impactful, but I think the protest scenes are going to be very impactful too. They seem to be really helping on those in the trailer, especially with the second trailer that was released for this movie, uh, especially with Jeremy Strong, when he sees the cops on the other side and uh, he looks so scared, but he's also like, they're being accused of inciting a riot. So it seems like it's going to be mm-hmm. very controversial and those scenes are going to be like, it's gonna be i it's gonna be interesting how Sorkin shapes it like is he going to be taking a side during uh mm. during those protests like is he looking to be uh obviously is he trying to frame something more of the uh uh injustices to american citizens is he saying they're inciting the riot okay so it's just i'm excited for those type of scenes too but the court uh-huh. scenes are going to be where it's at that's where the awards are going to start that's where
1: sorkin's at his best there like his writing is going to really show there and his directing is going to show in those court scenes
0: definitely all right so first ever edition of the thermometer prick uh 88 88 percent from ricky flicks 93 percent from dr o OK, what we're going to do is that the winner of the thermometer. Oh, actually, what are we going to do? What should we do with this? We got to have we got to have some type of like wager for the for this segment. We'll think of something
1: closest to it gets top billing number one overall pick done. Done. You heard it here first. All right. That that does it
0: for the thermometer predictor. next, we are going to move on to our much anticipated review of uh, Antonio Campos. New Netflix hit, okay? The Devil All the Time. All right, Ricky Flicks, the time has come. We are here to review Antonio Campos' Netflix original, The Devil All the Time. After much hype, right, featuring performances from Tom Holland, Robert Pattinson, Bill Skarsgård, Sebastian Stan, many of our favorite superheroes, right, in the world today, we get to see an opportunity. We have an opportunity to see them break bad, right, a little bit. And we, uh, we really kick off award season with the devil all the time. So I think the best way to review this movie is maybe uh, with a bunch of interweaving plots, many characters, a storyline that goes zip, zap, zang. Uh, we're going to,
1: yeah,
0: yeah honestly. And then we're going to, I'm going to give you the synopsis. Then we're going to take it act by act. First act, second act, third act. Yeah, let's act. walk
1: through it. Yeah, we'll walk yeah. through it.
0: Let's go, uh, we'll help, you, we'll guide you guys through it. So the synopsis of the movie is that a young man, Tom Holland, is devoted to protecting his loved ones in a town full of corruption and sinister characters following World War II. Okay? Uh, Flicks, as I just said, we're going to take it act by act. So let's start off with the first act, kind of laid out the scene for the listeners, and then uh, we'll get talking about it. Okay? So quickly, I'll just say, Bill Skarsgård is mainly the star of Act One. Can we agree?
1: Yes, definitely.
0: Yeah, so he is the father to Tom Holland's character Arvin, okay, and uh, uh character is Willard. He finds love post World War II, but he uh, and we find uh, early on in the movie there's a there's a heavy reliance on religion, okay, very early on. So, Flex, let's just start off talking about the impact you think religion played in this movie, and uh, what were your takeaways with uh, Bill Skarsgård's character?
1: Yeah, definitely someone conflicted. Uh, with religion, at one point at the start when he's coming back from war, what he saw with the man on the cross being in that gory scene with the bugs, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, while at war, definitely just mix emotions about it. While his his mom is very religious, religious and goes to church every Sunday, never miss- misses church, and definitely the church they go to, like small town blue collar town, and that ge- the guest preacher, um, what's his name? Uh, from the Coen Brothers movie that was... Oh, Brother, uh, Where Art Thou? Yeah. No, 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 no. no. Um, Buster Scruggs. And he's also Harry Potter's <laughs> cousin. Oh, to Harry Melling? Yeah, 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 yeah. Such oh, a creepy oh, character. Yeah, Dudley from Harry Potter. Uh-huh. Creepy character. But he was amazing, I thought, in his short time on screen. No? Oh,
0: his monologue was spectacular. Honestly, it might have been... I, I don't want to say it's my favorite scene because I love the one-on-one at the end with Pattinson and Holland. Uh, and just to give a heads up in case the listeners missed it, this is a spoiler review, so we're we're going over the uh, entirety of the movie and we're getting into details. But uh, mm-hmm. yeah, I thought that that monologue with him was spectacular. It was so creepy, and I do. If you looked at him and told me that was Dudley, like I wouldn't believe
1: you. Right, I, he's so skinny.
0: Yeah, and then he, yeah, he. You're right. He wasn't Buster Scruggs. Um,
1: he was creepy thought, in that. Like,
0: and, like the first act of this movie really set the tone of how dreary and bleak the tone of this movie truly was. Yes. Uh, it, it never lightens up. It never lightens up. Never. Um, my second viewing of it, like I, I was, I, I'll i start off by saying I was a huge fan of this movie, okay? Second time, I've notched it down a couple uh, uh, ratings in my score, but I still really enjoyed it. But if you are not in a positive, uh, if you're not feeling – yeah, if you don't have a positive mindset going in and you don't feel good like while you and then you decide to watch this two and a half hour movie, you're gonna feel worse at the end. A hundred percent. And so like the religious aspect, we see a man with Bill Skarsgard's character who really at he's coming off World War II. He doesn't really he's he's turned off by religion, I would say. Okay. But then as the first act goes on and bad things start happening in his life, and he thinks it happens because uh of his uh, his negligence towards Christianity, that's when you start to see him start yeah. to go crazy. He's, he becomes obsessed with religion, and I thought Bill Skarsgård was great in this movie personally. Like, I I I think it was his, one of his best performances to date. He obviously is creepy as hell as Pennywise, and it's like he's spectacular in that role. But uh, this one, like even he's only in the first act, but I think mm-hmm. he's re- you feel his performance through the rest of the
1: movie. Oh, for sure, especially with the. The odes to him from his son Tom Holland in this movie Arvin, and I think uh, just going back to your Pennywise comment, wh- what would you find more difficult, that role or this role?
0: I like, uh, I don't. It's I think that would be the Pennywise role.
1: I think that you think Pennywise up, is more difficult than this.
0: I feel like you have to be if you're Pennywise, you got to be really getting yourself amped up for that role. You got to become almost a different person to do that role. I know you're trying to, you're tapping mm-hmm. into something more emotionally strong here, but I always find like those characters, those wacky people, like they, there's nothing to base it off of. They're kind of just doing off the book and how, what they think the character's like mm-hmm. this one. There's been plenty of iterations of people that are lost in religion following world war two. So I right. think, it, I think it's like, it was, it's not an easy role for sure. And I think he did an excellent job, but, uh, and I think he like, it's, it's fascinating when you watch this movie and you compare Tom Holland and the, uh, his actions—you compare him to Bill Skarsgård's character, and like the—and then like the—and uh, like the obvious comparisons in terms of religion, uh, physicality, literal physicality with the role. Mm-hmm. I think that uh, I, I just—I I enjoyed it for sure.
1: Yeah, I—I I, I in particular loved Skarsgård in this. That's why I brought up the question because I thought he was that yeah. good. It should be compared to, uh, as in not—not not the roles compared, but the difficulty of this role. I thought, even though it has been done before, like you said, I thought it was unique. And how religion played a factor into it, and with a with a son who's recently lost his mother, and he obviously lost his wife. I thought it was just a unique spin on it. And then also the scene where he goes beats up those two guys that made fun of him and his son praying in the woods. Yeah, that was I think my favorite scene in the movie. That was, that was terrific. Yeah, incredibly powerful. The dogs in the back bar- the, of the truck barking with Arvin. Uh, like, and then when he gets back to the car, wiping his hands, saying like, "Pick your time, pick your time," and then says, "Let's go get a candy bar." And then right. you knew right when the narrator said, "Who was Antonio Campos?" The director of this movie was the narrator. No, no, no. It was the author of the book. Oh, sorry, author of the book. My my mistake. Yeah, I had that in my mind. I just said that because I don't know. But I thought right when the narrator said like that. Arvin considered this the best day of his life. And then his mom like ended up going to the hospital that night. I was just like, right, right before that, I was like, this is going to end bad. I knew yes. it. Yes.
0: And then like I go, and going on with the bleakness of the movie, you have the situation where his mom's dying of cancer. And then Bill Skarsgård feels so deep, uh, is so feels like that he needs to make a sacrifice in order to save his wife and Arvin's mother that he ends up killing Arvin's dog, which becomes another piece of symbolism throughout the movie. Uh such a sad moment, dude, when like they killed the dog and then like, he's dragged. Brucellous. And it was the only and Arvin has no friends throughout the movie. The only person he has is the dog. Now he's set now he's losing his mom. And then his dad, right, commits suicide that night, okay? The night of his mother so he lost basically two parents in one day, which is uh, heartbreaking. Uh, and this is where we start to see the interweaving storylines where we have Sebastian Sands character, who is the sheriff of knock uh, and stiff, Ohio, very appropriate name for this movie, yep. Stiff. but he finds Arvin. Well, he, uh, he, he's a sheriff that helps Arvin out. And, almost like helps him grieve during that time. And we're going to see much more of his character later on in the movie. But I also want to talk about an earlier interweaving storyline. When you had another character introduced, you had Jason Clark in this
1: movie Mm -hmm.
0: plays a photographer, mysterious photographer in this role. And he uh, finds his wife right at the diner, the same day that Bill Skarsgård's Willard finds his wife. Okay. So that's like, that's where you're starting off there. You know, you're good. The story's going in different directions, but you're waiting for that moment where they finally intersect. Okay? Right. So you have, um, uh, what's the actress that plays, uh, Jason Clark's wife. I'm not sure. Um, I'm, I'm going to find it. Riley co. I think oh, it's Riley. Okay. Yeah. Riley co. Uh, she's a waitress and they, we find out. Okay. Riley co, Riley Coe and Bill, I mean, uh. You know, and uh, Jason Clark, uh, Jason Clark is a pornographic photographer. Okay, and what they and he's also a homicidal maniac, as we find out. And so I know we're bouncing place to place here, but that's kind of how this movie felt. You're bouncing. Yeah, even just world, in the world, first world. act,
1: it still did it, that it, as well. It has a
0: lot. Like, and the way we're describing it is exactly how it feels in the movie. It's a little mm. very jumbled.
1: A lot of um, time jumps made it even more confusing. Yes. Even within the we, acts in the same time yeah. period, there were time jumps that weren't clear. So following so
0: we were I'm talking about the pornographic Im- like images that Jason Clark shoots and then he uses his wife as bait right to kill the eventual he forces like these men that they they pick up as hitchhikers to have sex with um with uh Riley Coe's character right and then after they he, the 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 hitchhikers are forced to have sex with his wife they end up killing them and that's how we uh we kind of Harry Melling re- reached the end of his uh, role in this movie after right. he is picked up following his homicidal act when he kills his wife, right? Mia mm-hmm. Wasikowska. Okay. And then we have eventually, right. A moment where you have uh Willard's uh, son, Arvin, who's played by Tom Holland. He get, he ends up moving to Cole Creek, West Virginia. And then you have, Harry Melling and Mia Wasakowska's daughter, okay, move, uh, leaving their daughter, right, with uh, Willard's grandmother. So you end up having Arvin and Char- uh not Charlotte. Ar- <laughs> See, this is so hard to explain. You have, Ar- you have Arvin and Lenora, right, the daughter of uh, Harry Melling's character, right, living in the same house, both without parents, both orphaned, okay? Mm-hmm. So before we move on to the second act, let's just wrap up thoughts about the first act. So I think a perfect way to describe it, very confusing, very bleak, okay? But some committed performances for sure.
1: Definitely committed performances. I know uh, Dudley's, the Dudley character trying to believe that is what, after killing his wife, that he can make her come back to life is obnoxious and ridiculous. Um, That was definitely, I knew right when she was dropping off a daughter to uh what ends up being arvin's grandparents scars parent uh, mom right when uh, you knew you knew you just knew that they weren't coming back and you right. were wondering why what was going to happen you see that hor- horrendous act that Dudley performs and you end up seeing him interwined or intervene with jason clark's character like you said and from that moment on i'm like okay well that's interesting jason clark's character kind of wraps up like that i wasn't positive how the rest of the movie going to play out with him because his kind of arc seemed like it ended a little bit, even just after the first act, at least to me, in my viewing. You, so, didn't
0: know, you didn't know what he was all about yet.
1: Right, exactly. So it was just very interesting to see. And I guess my last point with act one is it was 49-ish minutes long. Yeah, so that's, long. That's over two-thirds of an average movie. That's kind that, of ridiculous. That, that's
0: literally, that's like... That's a Disney animated film. Yeah, and <laughs> like the, the two movie.
1: main stars in the movie aren't even in it yet. We barely That's see absurd. Him, like,
0: there's barely Sebastian Stan, there's no Tom Hall until the 49th minute, then you have to wait for like over an hour in to see Robert Pattinson's character. Mm-hmm. So like yeah. you're kind of being like, Okay, we have enough with Bill Skarsgard, but it shows how slow the movie's moving, but also how it's jumping to so many different locations and different mm-hmm. storylines. Early on, it's not like I wouldn't say it's confusing, but it's so jumbled. Like, it's right. a jumbled story for sure.
1: Um, Definitely agree. And yeah. the narrator who we mentioned earlier, I thought it was – like, it wasn't cle- he wasn't clear. I, I actually turned on the captions really? only when the narrator was on.
0: I thought, I thought the narrator was great. I thought his voice really fit the 50s and 60s post-World War II era.
1: I agree with the voice. I felt, like, I
0: felt like he'd be like a narrator for, like, the Iron Giant if the Iron Giant had a narrator.
1: I just I feel like this movie didn't need a narrator. I felt like it. It. it I felt like they. Storylines. So I felt like they said, "Okay, this movie's kind of confusing. Confusing with all the different storylines, different time jumps. Let's add a narrator into this. Something that fits the tone of the movie, which I thought was, as you said, the, his voice did fit the tone of the movie. But I just felt like he stated the obvious a lot, and I I felt like it was taking away some of the artistic form of the movie. An example is now we could just pivot to the second act here when yep. Tom Holland I'll just do a spot uh, I'll just jump to a specific scene where Tom Holland beats up on those guys, or right before he does, the narrator chimes in when Tom Holland's in the truck and he says, He's picking his time just like his father taught him. Like, we know. We see right. him wiping yeah. his hands. He's like, just like his father. Like, we know. Like that why are you doing this to us? Did like, he say that? I
0: thought yes, it was he did a flashback. The no, he it.
1: the narrator said it, and I just yeah, thought so that's, that that's,
0: that's a little terrible. bit of over talking for sure. Like like he didn't need to say that, obviously. But there's other times I thought it was appropriate. They have a narrator just because uh it, because of the jumbled storylines and the jump and like the jumping from back and forth. And I think that uh, since we're talking about Act Two, that's where we lose Bill Skarsgård's character, but we don't necessarily lose the feeling that he brought to the movie because it, it's passed on to his son Arvin. Okay, Tom Holland's character. Mm-hmm. So before we like really jump into Act Two, okay, what are your thoughts on Tom Holland's performance in this movie, folks?
1: I thought he was. I thought he fit the tone of the movie, like we were just discussing. I thought he fit that orphan that saw traumatic experiences as a child, blue collar. I still don't know how old he is. Um, Tom Holland obviously plays a high schooler in Spider Man, and he's actually a lot older than that in real life. But he does look rather young, and I just kept thinking like he's not gonna beat up anybody. He looks that skinny, so I was surprised that he was so such a physical force in this movie. So I was a little surprised by that. And I was just wondering, like, what is he doing with his life? Like what is his purpose? Like it can't just be to protect his stepsister. So I I guess Go ahead. I guess I was just a little confused with that. But overall, as an acting performance, I really did like what I see from him. And I'm looking forward to Cherry that's coming out on, uh, uh, with the Russo Brothers that was actually just recently purchased for $40 million uh, by Netflix. I Apple believe TV. Apple TV. See, so you can't keep, can't keep them straight right now. But <laughs> I, I'm looking forward to that as that's going to be another dreary, gritty role. And I just can't wait to see that now.
0: So uh, I, I was fascinated by Holland's role in this movie. I actually really enjoyed it. I thought he was – I'm just going to say I thought he was awesome. Okay. I have a feeling his age, like he was around twenty-ish, maybe just he was maybe a little older okay. than Lenora, okay, who's pro, who was in high school at the time, who's a stepsister. But I think um he felt like he acted much more mature than how old he actually was. There's a chance he was like high school age, okay, that he dropped yeah. out and he and he was looking to have a job. But he was it feel like he, he was a veteran in that territory of the United States. He knew that there's a, there's a lot of no good sons of bitches out there. Yeah, said multiple times in this movie. And I loved comparing his performances, Bill Skarsgård's because you have, um, very similar arcs. They're almost, they're supposed to, I think obviously Antonio Campos wanted them to be, uh, uh, mirrors of one another. So you have, uh, Tom Holland's Arvin, who is very, uh, anti-religious. Okay. And one that, uh, doesn't uh believe in what his father did, just like, uh, just like uh, Bill Skarsgård's Willard doesn't believe what his family believed in, and then eventually by the end of the movie you see literally acts being replicated by Arvin by Tom Holland, and uh, I thought he brought like a some intensity to a performance I don't think we've ever seen. We've seen him in roles obviously in Spider-Man where he's a fun uh, I mean he's like just impossible to hate him in those movies. Like he's spectacular right. as Peter. A Parker. superhero. But like, I love this movie because it was a situation where you got to see your favorite actors, who you've only seen in superhero movies, you see them break bad. You see mm-hmm. them turn, turn into bad people. Because even though at the end you have Tom Holland saying, I'm not a bad person. Well, dude, you've killed four people. Okay? You're saying yes. you're not a bad person. You've killed four people. So there are a lot of no good sons of bitches out there, Ricky Flicks. And I thought it was just, um, it was a big moment of Holland's career, this, this movie. I think he said that himself too.
1: Oh, definitely. Big moment for him. Definitely a big turning point for his career. Like I mentioned with Sherry coming up as well, and he's still continuing to do Spider-Man movies. So it's going to be interesting to see 10 years down the road when he might be done with Spider-Man, but doing more roles like this when he's a little older. It's going to be really interesting to see
0: agreed um in the second act we have to bring up the uh, second the, maybe arguably the biggest star in the world right now in terms of uh, mm. in terms of acting is, uh, we have the introduction of the creepy preacher robert pattinson's uh, let me bring up his name really quick it's uh it's, uh, it's preacher tea garden right uh preacher tea garden Preston tea garden who is a young uh i guess he educated Preacher that comes to Cold Creek, West Virginia, to replace right the sick um, and uh, elderly preacher, right that Lenora and uh, that Lenora has grown so close to, and the whole community of Cold Creek, West Virginia. Then you have this young guy that everyone's excited to see, uh, Robert Pattinson, in a very uh, interesting dialect, I should say, speaking with a very interesting flamboyant
1: dialect. Uh, suit.
0: Yeah, very yeah, he, he, yeah. He's dressed in like he looks like he's high society, almost higher. Yeah, sted. the hair, is yeah, very well done. Right, educated, like a lot different. Very than educated, people well that educated. lived in Coal Creek, West Virginia. He to went to a preacher school, or I think they were saying. Yep. But, uh Flicks, what did, what was your uh, reaction to Pattinson's performance here?
1: I think a big thing here before that you see this movie is all the buzz about his accent, how he didn't have a dialect coach. He didn't have a language coach or anything like that to help him with this. He just did this by himself, locked up in a room on set. And I, that was like the first thing I wanted to see is, all right, how's this accent going to work? And I thought it was great. I thought it was great. I know some people were laughing on social media about one of the scenes, uh, particularly in the end. Uh, about his accent and how it kind of falls apart, but it's only falling apart because the character is falling apart literally, and we'll speak about that in the third act. But I think overall, it's a different accent than the Cold Creek. You can tell it's from not you can't tell it's like necessarily from Tennessee, but you can tell it's from a different part of the country, that's the southern part of the country, and it just works as a, just a quirky, weird guy, but also weird, but well educated. It just works. Delusions! <laughs> I can't imagine like on set. Like, they must just have been laughing the entire time, like everybody oh, else. Dude,
0: we dude. I was listening to an interview with Pattinson. He was talking about the role. I think he saw the same one. He couldn't keep a straight face when he was saying the delusion scene. Like, oh. he would, like, literally lose it. You got Tom Holland's, like, quivering in the back, like, shaking him while he's acting. And you have Tom mm-hmm. – you have Robert Pattinson's cracking up whenever he says, delusions, right. every time. So, But uh, but he played slime perfectly in this movie. Yeah. And I think that his accent was definitely a part of that. And he was also a foreigner that's coming into this very tight-knit community. So Mm -hmm. he – and, like, the title of the movie is The Devil All the Time. Like, we have this, like, literally this Christianized uh, uh, community, right, where they're living, okay? Like, in in Coal Creek, West Virginia, I know we see Bill Skarsgård's uh, reliance on religion and knock him stiff. But where the preaching's going on, where the actual um, praying, right, and the actual – well, you obviously have um, church sessions, okay? And you have mass, but I'm just, he was kind of like the symbol of the devil. Like he like the over-reliance on religion post-World War II. I mm-hmm. think that's what, that's what this movie was kind of going for and that people were looking for, for religion to save them. And they obviously, uh, they learnt, like they didn't learn, but the, viewer, the audience is learning that that having your full faith in religion rather than yourself can sometimes be the end. Of, like it can be a detriment to your life. Okay. Uh, Do you agree or disagree with that flex? I know.
1: I think you summed summed that up perfectly.
0: So I I think like him being that, that glorified figure that everyone looks at, right. That they like, they have that situation where they bring the buffet where everyone from the church brings food Mm -hmm. to his, that was another amazing scene from Pattinson, but they bring food to the church for this new um, preacher. And uh, it just showed how much they would do anything for this person. But at the same time, how can you trust this person? All right. And that's where you start to find out, uh, what's the, his treatment of Tom Holland's stepsister, Lenora. Right. Mm-hmm. So we had a situation where he, uh, ha- he, uh, has sex with Lenora. He ends up impregnating, uh, Lenora. Then Lenora confronts Pattinson's character, right. Uh, preacher tea garden. And then tea garden just says, I have no idea what you're talking about. So, and he literally said that, uh, uh, literally, like he says, uh, I I wasn't there. We were with the Lord. Like I like like he then he th- and that's what the whole delusion things come from, right? Where he said like people see, uh, people see only specific moments unless they're with the Lord, right? Mm-hmm. And things like that. So, what did you think of that uh, part of the movie and how it led to the third act?
1: So I I don't usually don't really write notes while watching a movie. I like just watching the movie. But mm-hmm. right when I saw because Lenora was hanging out. Uh, by her mother's grave like she goes there every day and obviously develops that relationship with robert pattinson and then well you you just detail what happens um wow. but i wrote down like right when they're in the car the first time her like taking off her blast i'm like this is this better be something unique other than just preacher gets with the like girl right you now i immediately wrote that down and i think by the end of it it did um and we'll talk about that in the next act but I did find that Pattinson needed more scenes for sure to show yes. that relationship more because all of a sudden that relationship just sped to the end. It went from the car scene. They made it seemed like they the were
0: pregnant. interacting a lot more than what was shown on screen.
1: Yes. Yes, exactly. And honestly, like I wasn't positive that they even had sex like the first time, like when they did the cutaway scene. Right. Obviously by the end of the movie, like you find out other situations where this happened as well. And it was a lot more obvious, but this one you didn't know. So like, I just, they skipped so far ahead in that relationship. That I think that was a real drawback to this movie. Mm-hmm.
0: And uh, so uh, I agree 100%. When I first saw the trailer for this movie, I was beyond excited, right? And mm-hmm. uh, and I definitely had a positive experience watching this movie. But the one thing I was very nervous about was the screen time for all these actors. And when we really added up, there was probably four major scenes in throughout the entire movie mm-hmm. okay so we're not getting tom hall until 50 minutes in. we're not getting patents until like an hour and 10 in and you're only getting really four major scenes of him and i thought he was the best actor in this movie not just from his resume i thought literally from his performance i am one i guess i'm i guess we are one of the few who thought his accent worked right i think what he does Definitely. with his voice no other actor can do Okay, so when we're reflecting, like even like if you thought you hear him say "I'm vengeance" in the Batman trailer, and you hear him speak in this movie, you think they're <laughs> different people. Then he has like oh, a street. Yeah. Then he has like a street accent in Good Time, and so like you would think, oh, how is this guy playing Batman? Think of the, the King. The man, his voice is a chameleon. Yeah, And the King as the Dauphine, right? His vo- yeah. he, the man is a freaking chameleon. Okay, like he can literally um
1: pick a dialect and just can do act,
0: it. He literally, you would think he's a different person. By the way, just the way he talks. Okay, mm-hmm. so fascinating. I thought he was great, but we'll jump into the third act now where we have Lenora, right, who commits suicide, right, after uh, Pastor T. Garden, Preacher T. Garden, says that uh, he doesn't remember. He says he actually tells her to get rid of the baby, right? right? He says to get rid of the baby, and he says that he is not responsible for it, right? So eventually, right, she commits suicide. Then Arvin, okay, he is... A, uh, he's working now, right? He's working – I I forgot what job he has, but it's some –
1: Blue collar job.
0: Blue collar job, right? And he's working on the line doing something, probably a factory. I'm not really sure. I don't know if they specified in the movie. But he's met at the end of a shift by a man from town, from Coal Creek, and he mentions that –
1: that his his sister was pregnant.
0: His, his sister was pregnant, and Arvin didn't believe him. Then Arvin ends up basically tracking, uh, Preacher T Garden throughout the next three weeks, right? Mm-hmm. And then he basically you have the details of uh, Preacher T Garden, right? Um, basically having relations with other high school girls at the time, and uh, then you have the confrontation, the one on one, almost the cl- the the first climax, I should say, uh, of the movie, right? With um, Pattinson versus Holland in the church. One that was really well, uh, well previewed in the trailer. Okay. So Flex, what did you think of that final scene between Pattinson and Holland?
1: Definitely. When you speak of intensity, that pretty much uh, symbolizes that, that final scene does. And I really think that, again, I wish they developed a little more just l- showing Tom Holland's character spying or tracking Robert Pattinson's character for the past three weeks, or at least show more of the Robert Pattinson's character just in the movie in general, doing his normal day-to-day routine, just more, just more, to be honest. And that's hard to say in a two and a half hour movie, but there's a lot in this movie that could be taken away. Similarly to the Jason Clark and that storyline, that a lot of those scenes were kind of pointless in this movie in my eyes, or you mm-hmm. take a little bit away from that first act. Again, those first fifty minutes for the first act. That's like you said, it's like, that's like an animated feature film. You could take 20 minutes away of that and add add that to this story. So I just really think that's where it lacked. But considering that scene in itself, that one-on-one scene, I loved it. Tom Holland, I think that was his best acting scene by far in the movie. And I I think that's where he really showed how talented he is outside of just playing a superhero.
0: 100% agree. Epic showdown at the end. That's what the whole crowd was waiting for. It had me on the edge of my seat when I first watched it. Uh, you. Everyone wants to see the guy who plays Spider Man, the guy versus Batman, finally go head to head. Two of like the literally, and I thought I wanted more interaction between those characters to kind of build that antagonistic relationship. I get it that like he, like he helped he makes Lenora commit suicide. I'm talking about Pattinson's character, but I would have loved some type of communication beforehand between the two. Mm-hmm. I think it's pretty obvious there's a lot of scenes cut from this movie, especially with the lack of Pattinson. Um, Hey, At I least have to yeah. And then like the lack of the Holland tracking, like the, the Pattinson's character, it seems like there was some information or some uh, maybe, maybe they, they obviously weren't integral scenes, but there were scenes cut from this movie from an already two and a half hour runtime. Right. Mm-hmm. So maybe like all of a sudden it's a three hour movie. Compost is probably like, we got to cut this down. So I thought that was uh epic showdown. I thought uh, you had, like Pattinson really on the, uh, you, he was basically backtracking and you knew he mm-hmm. was guilty the entire time. And uh, you finally had Tom Holland break bad, right? Where he, <laughs> yeah. came, he basically, uh it was like him, like, I want, I I kind of want to say it was like him when he fir- finally accepted the fact he is not a good person, even though he kept telling people he was a good person. That was the moment he crossed the line. Where he felt like he had no choice but to kill somebody, and he is the no good son of a bitch that he was warning every his dad warned him about, and that he warned Lenora about.
1: So. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. And then I think right where that happens, and he leaves town right after killing Pattinson's character, that's where he has like the craziest twenty four hours I've ever seen.
0: Right. And I don't know and if then, you want to
1: jump into that right now. That- so-
0: yeah, let's jump into Act 3. Like, we're still in Act 3, right? But we're going to jump into – it's very – I thought Act 3 actually made this movie spectacular. Like, mm-hmm. it, like the first act jumbled up. Third act is where you finally had all these storylines weaving. So you have Tom Holland who's on the run, right? And he's hitchhiking. Who likes to pick up hitchhikers, right? You have – um uh Jason Clark and Riley. Uh, I think it's Co Riley okay. Coe or Riley okay. Keough. I'm not sure which one it is. They pick up Tom Holland. Okay, so and they obviously they have intentions to kill Tom Holland, and Tom Holland gets a bad vibe from from the start. Um, I thought that was a great scene too. I thought Jason Clark was perfectly cast in his supporting role. I think he's up there for uh, one of the best supporting actors going today. I think he's severely underrated. Hmm.
1: i I kind of disagree with you there, I think is that Clark? he's good, not great. I think if I don't think you could put him with the greats uh for supporting role actors. just
0: but he would never be able to carry a movie, but I think he is always saw like he never detracts from a movie from being in a supporting role never
1: i agree i think I just think that he's not in those upper echelon type of movies to be considered in that realm, so you look at his like filmography, you have like everest with Jake Gyllenhaal. Hall that's like a not a great movie, but it's like a decent movie. And then you have Planet uh, of the Apes. Planet of the Apes, it, that's kind of great. But Lawless, Lawless is a decent movie, not he's great good movie. He's that
0: role too. I'm, I'm but, telling you. Like, he's and a then great First
1: character. and and First Man, he's the supporting actor to Ryan Gosling. I mm-hmm. don't consider that a great movie either. It's just a decent to good movie. So I just think that he's not in those upper echelon of the movies to consider him as a great supporting actor. But I see what you're saying.
0: Yeah, like I, 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 I mean, if, if you don't think he's great, that's okay. I just think he's. Uh, Always oh, it's okay. for a supporting performance. Like, I think yeah, but, uh, solid. I, I I, like that scene was spectacular where he ends up with uh, Tom Holland senses that they're up to no good, right? They exchange fire. Then you find out that uh, Jason Clark's wife, right, was carrying a gun that had blanks because Jason Clark's wife didn't trust him. It was just very satisfying for a lot of these storylines who finally – right come together and then mm-hmm. we have tom holland who initially reacts and in act uh interacts in act one with sebastian stan we find out riley coe right her brother is the sheriff right of of knock uh, stiff ohio sebastian stan okay mm-hmm. and we get to see the corruptness right through act two into act three of sebastian stan in this movie flicks uh, act three we see a lot of sebastian stan um, I think it's important that we tell the viewers who initially was in line for that role, right? Because mm. it wasn't Sebastian Stan, but it was another MCU hero. Chris Evans was initially supposed to be the one to play that role. Can you imagine if we got to see Spider-Man, Batman, and Captain America break bad in a movie?
1: Oh, I, I can't. I, just thinking about that right now hurts my head of how crazy that would have been. Oh my God,
0: that's all. That's the only thing that was in my mind. I thought Sebastian Stan was fine in this movie. I thought he was great at being a, basically a drunk sheriff. (laughs) Like I thought he was fine, but uh, I think seeing Chris Evans and like, that'd be great for the evolution of his career too. Uh, That's all I could think about the entire time. But uh, also Sebastian Stan, dude, pack on the pounds a little bit, bro.
1: Yeah, definitely a little heavier in this role, especially with Falcon and the winter soldier coming up and filming again. I'm a little concerned, but we'll see.
0: He's like trying to zip up his jacket. It goes like literally two inches. He's like, oh, yep. All good. And then he yeah. keeps
1: going. But, but it was uh, perfect for the character, but it makes me a little nervous for Falcon, Winter Soldier. I know he'll yeah. be fine. Don't worry.
0: But uh, then eventually, obviously you have the final showdown between Sebastian Stans, Sheriff Bodecker, the guy who eventually in a way saved Arvin, Tom Holland's character, initially in act one, they have them coming together in act three and the final showdown, a very intense scene in the woods, um and then we had obviously the the we had the finale holland taking arvin's character taking down sheriff Bodecker, and then mm-hmm. basically hitchhiking his way to cincinnati and that's how the movie ends and but, he
1: was hitchhiking with like a hippie type van
0: we're, so, so it kind of showed like you're going from world war ii to now we're vietnam now we're but also
1: like maybe his luck's still not on his way you never know what's gonna happen just, I think, because he was falling asleep and he, you could see him trying to stay awake because he d- doesn't want the same thing happening to him. But, like, as luck doesn't happen in this movie at all, it's just it's purely bad luck. You never know what's going to happen.
0: I thought, like, it could, like, hint at him like just joining a cult. Like, right, like, yeah. joins a cult in, like, a sequel movie. Uh, would not a sequel because, sequel. because all the characters are dead. This movie pulled zero punches. Like, literally, if you saw a gun, someone was dying. Like, like that's why it was very bleak yeah. when you think about it. When you saw a gun, but like in Act One, when you see Harry Melling with a gun to his head, you thought for a second, like, okay, is Jason Clark gonna spare this dude because he's like a religious guy and mm. he really means no harm? Bang, shot dead. Tom Holland brings out a gun against Robert Pattinson, right? Is he gonna kill the preacher? Really, uh, who can't, who won't be able to like uh, profess his sins, right, for what he's done? No, bang, dead. Right, so like literally every chance you every every time you saw a gun, it was used in this movie.
1: Right, cool and that, zero punches. Mm-hmm. I agree with that, and also just that reminds me of Sebastian Stan's character with the showing how corrupt he is, and yep. with like the mob and whatnot, like people mm-hmm. owning him. Like, I thought that was totally unnecessary as well. Just, yeah, what's the point with that?
0: Yeah, I I I think yeah, I agree with that, and like and like showing him killing the mob boss. What's the I was point? Like, yeah, what's the? There was no point to it. He did. He had, that guy had no further connections. Just, that was literally yeah. just with Bodaker, and Bo Decker was obviously just a supporting character and nothing more in this movie. So we didn't need to get all that information either. Like that was that was BS too. Hundred percent right. agree. A um, well, Flix, what, What's the score you gave for
1: this movie? So I do think, like I said, I mentioned a lot of different parts that could have been cut out that would have really helped with this movie because you could, add, if you want to keep it at a two-hour runtime, let's say, you could still add in developing parts for Tom Holland, get Tom Holland into the movie earlier and get Robert Pattinson for some more scenes, develop those relationships and just concise the movie down to the real nitty-gritty parts of the story that the viewers really want to see. We want to see Tom Holland, Robert Pattinson characters, not necessarily just because of their great acting abilities, but their actual storylines are the crucial, most interesting parts of the movie. 100% so failed to do that (laughs) yeah definitely failed to do that but the overall story was fantastic in my eyes i thought the first act was very long definitely definitely carried a lot of weight with it so that kind of affected your thinking as well but it was definitely that first act was just such a slow burn but the ending makes up for it in such a big way so it's going to even that out for me and 73 for me, Dr. L. 73, Ricky Flicks. Yeah,
0: I was thinking the same thing. I think I had a more positive reaction because just because I usually see a movie when it's brand new and I see Tom Holland, Robert Pattinson. I usually think of it higher. Then I watch it a second time and then I get more balanced with the way I view it. I give it 75. I give it a 75. Um, I thought the third act really redeemed the first act. Uh, it's very satisfying in these stories when you have those interweaving plots finally meet, right? And they come to a head. I found the third act to be incredibly satisfying. Um, I thought the performances were incredible uh, from Holland and Pattinson. Wish I got more from Pattinson specifically. Um and I, I mean, I, 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 we only talked about it briefly. But I thought Harry Melling in this movie was incredible. I'd love to see him in other supporting roles in the future. Yes, um, I thought he the fits. score, the mm-hmm. score of this movie was very good too. Like I, it was the same one throughout the entire one. It's one you see in the trailer, but I thought it worked well for this movie. And if this movie totally taught agree. me anything, I am not living anywhere near. <laughs> this, between Ohio and West Virginia. I'm not, yeah. I'm not living in that ter- territory in the United States. There is no laws there. And if there is law there, it is the most corrupt thing ever.
1: Yeah, the setting I, was terrific in this movie. So the Drury <laughs> setting, American Gothic type. And that's why Dudley was perfect for this as well. Like Not to mm-hmm. typecast him, but he looks perfect for that type of like character.
0: Right. So I, th-
1: I can't like Coen Brother movie exactly looks exactly like he should be in a Coen Brother movie. And he, he has does. been, but he should be in more, I think. So I'm interested to see where his career is going to develop too. But exactly, this setting was just perfectly done for the type of tone that they wanted to set for this movie.
0: If you live there in post World War II, like anywhere in that that radius, I think I forgot what mile radius they said it was. Mm-hmm. But I, I, like, I you could kill somebody, no one would care. Like, yeah. <laughs> like, you like literally, find out. You can get away with any crime you want there, and nothing matters. Yeah. Right? But uh, so devil all the time seventy three from ricky flex seventy five from dr o uh that does it okay uh highly recommend let's move on so our top uh, top billing this week looks a little different okay uh, last week we did top five college movies um this week we're we've been inspired by our friend Vin Diesel for our next top billing so Vin Diesel this week released a song. With Kaigo, right? Uh, Flex, you've been singing it. What's the name of it? Feel Like I Do. Feel Like I Do.
1: Insert here. So <laughs>
0: we had this drop on Friday. It's on Spotify. It's on Apple Music. You, you have literally the cover art of just Vin Diesel's face with a slight tilt.
1: and So we, out of character of Don Toretto to do. We,
0: yeah. <laughs> like seeing it literally looks, it is the same face. There's like, obviously, it's like, it's Diesel's face. And it's just like on the cover and then blown a up Diego song. It's just like the weirdest collaboration, maybe of all time. Um
1: so, so but unreal but the unreal song, in my opinion. Unreal song. I, so
0: that's what I was gonna just get to. It's super weird to have Vin Diesel on a song, but it was kind of fire.
1: Yes, it was so good. I've listened to it probably about fifteen times the first two days it came out.
0: I I don't know if anyone else has done that. That might be a record for a Vin Diesel yeah. track of one person. But,
1: definitely, uh, it, I, that, I'm not afraid to say it. Like 15, like first two, three days, definitely. I'm Not afraid to say it.
0: And I'm, and I'm, I mean, I would definitely be afraid to say it. So I respect what you what you're doing there. Because if I admitted I listened to a Vin
1: Diesel song 50 times, it's also I'm, a Kygo I, song.
0: And like I, I can say I'm more of a Vin Diesel fan of him as a singer than an actor. I'm not a Vin Diesel actor guy. Honestly, right? I, I might like be on board with that. Franchise.
1: Like. <laughs> I don't, I like the Fast and Furious franchise. Don't love it. I love this song.
0: I I definitely don't like it.
1: (laughs) But that kind of leads us to our top billing today. So, today's top billing for the Drive In podcast is best songs sung by actors. Okay. So, their primary job, slash, this person that sings the song must primarily be known as an actor. Okay. Not as a singer. So, like Justin Timberlake's song, that wouldn't work. He's not, even though he's in a bunch of movies. He's known as an artist. out. Beyonce yeah. out. Right. So first, person must be known to be an actor. Like their Google search professional will be an actor first and foremost. The songs can be in a movie or can be not in a movie. So like Vin Diesel, not in a movie, not like for – that song is not for a movie. Or you could do a song like that is for a movie, like a, mu- like a musical. Okay? But an actor must be singing it. So last point is you cannot say the same actor twice. So if an actor has two songs – you can only pick one of those songs because you can't repeat the actor, Doctor O.
0: I've wait, wait. I have, I have one more question. So if I want to do a remake that wasn't necessarily a release, could I do it? Like if I did if a an act of, if, like if I did Vin Diesel and he and his uh, cover of Rihanna "Stay," could I do that one? Yes. Have you he's heard that
1: he sang it? He's
0: Yeah, yeah. So I don't. uh, I know. I've seen the YouTube video, and I know he's a karaoke phenom. I don't know if I would count any phenom. Uh, Can I count those? Like I know you can count them.
1: Yes, you can't count the Rihanna ones, but you can count the Vendizel ones. I
0: love this. This is going to be a fun category. So top billing,
1: Doctor O gets the lead off since I led off last time. Doctor O, your number one pick.
0: All right, Ricky Flex. I'm going to start off hot. All right. With I think art like there, this is a no doubt or should be number one. I'm going uh, good vibrations, Marky Mark. Oh, that was
1: my number one.
0: Number one. I thought that was a automatic um obviously this was at a point of Marky Mark's career. This is when he was Marky Mark. Right? When he was hanging around with the funky bunch, getting in all in all he was uh getting into all sorts of trouble. Before he was an actor, obviously changed his ways then. Um, what I really want to see is a recreation of this song. Let's say I want him to cover his own song and make another music video, right? Preferably with the Haynes underwear and the backwards hat. Let's give it to the uh, American people.
1: Yeah, that's a great pick. Definitely was my number one. I'll say that now. I'm not lying. My number two, My number one, though, the number two overall pick is going to be The Kill, Jared Leto slash. 30 Seconds to Mars. Unbelievable song. Banger. Band. Great band. Still touring. Well, obviously not during COVID, but before COVID, they were planning another tour. Jared Leto, Oscar, nom- Oscar winning actor, on- and recently was in Blade Runner 2049. We'll forget about him as Joker and those antics. The Kill, 30 Seconds to Mars. Jared Leto is my number one overall pick. Number one pick.
0: What is that the one where it's like, you're killing me, killing me, <laughs> oh! Is it that one,
1: audience? It sounds a lot better than that. Do not take <laughs> that. Do not take that I as a.
0: Love you. I I, like, I don't know how the rest of it goes, but I do. I think that's a song, right? Yeah, yeah. Okay. Excuse my uh, musical abilities. There, it's probably on the same level as Vin Diesel, to be honest. But
1: they do have multiple good songs. Thirty seconds. Oh, notice. dude, dude, they're Grammy
0: winners. Yeah, they're really good. And uh, yeah, so Jared Leto. So it'd be uh, that's tough, though. Is. Is Jared Leto more of a singer or an actor? I know he's won an Oscar. An
1: Oscar having an Oscar in your pocket, I think, and he has it's like just... a Thirty Seconds to Mars has the record for most. Uh, I think I just saw this stat.
0: They have the most um, concerts to promote one album of all time.
1: Okay, I think. So you're saying it. I should change my pick? Is what you're saying? I don't
0: know. No, 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 I'm just. It's a potential veto. Uh, I'm thinking about it.
1: I can play. I have a lot on my list. I, I can switch I think it up. At
0: this point of his life, he is primarily an actor. So if we're going bait like the last 15 years, primarily an actor for sure. Like
1: you think Jared Leto as an actor, not a singer. A bootleg joker. <laughs> That's what you think. All right. I'm keeping it just after that, just because okay. you made me think of that again. <laughs> You're up. Number two pick for you. What are you going with?
0: Oh, man. Uh, does this count? Is a feature count on a song?
1: uh it's got to be worthy it's got to be worthy gold digger okay Jamie Fox. okay Does that count Yeah, do it do it do it
0: no so, so obviously it's a Kanye West song but with like the honestly my favorite part of the song is the Jamie Fox part so i'm taking gold digger as my number 2 pick of songs performed by actors and obviously you can go multiple ways with Jamie Fox i think this is his uh, most iconic song personally
1: okay so for most- for my sake, I could save. I could put one in my back pocket for later, and say, "No, you can't pick Jamie Fox again. Right? Can't repeat
0: act. Can't repeat uh, actors. Yeah.
1: Mm-hmm. But my number two pick, going off the board a little bit. Going, Robin Williams, friend like me, in an, in Aladdin.
0: What? Interesting. I didn't see that coming.
1: So this was basically a two and a half minute platform for Robin Williams to say, hey not only am I funny, not only am I a great actor, but you know what? I could freaking sing as well. And R.I.P. to Robin Williams, but this was such an unbelievable performance. Arguably the greatest Disney song of all time. That's another top billing for another podcast. But friend like me, number two, Ricky Flicks.
0: I want to get wacky. Do what I you want. Get wacky, wacky flex. <laughs> I'll I'll go with the Hanukkah song, Adam Sandler. Okay. Go with the Hanukkah I like that. Song. So uh I had like I I'm not Jewish, but I would listen to this song any holiday season. Right? And I could say that more but I don't really know any other I know the Dreidel song, but the Hanukkah song is the Hanukkah song. I think it's the national anthem. I I, I it's not the national anthem, the religious anthem, right, for Jews. I, I I wonder if they play it as much as I play. That's what I kinda wonder. But the Hanukkah song, absolute classic. Put it on – the. I even put it on the Christmas playlist, right? You got to put it on the Christmas playlist. Why not? Mm-hmm. I'm going to go Hanukkah song, Adam Sandler, number three.
1: Okay. Great pick. My number three, I will be going off the board again. Another animated character in a movie. We're going, you're welcome by The Rock. Moana? <laughs> yes. This song, I think, people are realizing that it's not just for kids. Moana is just an unbelievable movie in itself, and the rock showed that he can actually sing—something that, like Vin Diesel, I never thought would come out of his repertoire. But you know what? You're welcome. Is such a good song and such an uplifting yeah. song that was perfect. And honestly, I doing research for like this top billing, like my potential list, and. I this is the most fun I've had like doing a top billing so far just because I got to listen to all these songs and just <laughs> the, the creative yeah,
0: like like there's so many like choices here because now we're like saying mm-hmm. songs in movies but like obviously it's inspired by Vin Diesel recording a song randomly but this is like you can go any direction here people are gonna be like you left off this song this song well no duh there's literally a, a crap ton to choose mm-hmm. right but uh, I don't hate that pick I love the music from Moana I think it's a very underrated Disney soundtrack in my opinion.
1: Definitely, yeah, definitely underrated. You think like Aladdin, Tarzan, The Lion King, because you think yeah. like Elton John was, in, was involved, Bill Collins. But just there's so many Disney movies and just other movies in general that have so many great soundtracks that The Rock, even, and other actors that you don't know have ever sing, sung before just absolutely kill it.
0: <laughs> Flex, I don't think you're ready for my next pick. Go for it. I want to know if you had this on your list. Okay. I don't know if this is something you get, you, get, you could get in the like a, the fifth round, sneak it in there. I'm going. I'm on a boat by the Lonely Island. Wow. Okay. okay. Absolutely, that counts. Andy Samberg, right? SNL, whatever his partner is on SNL, right? That's uh, what well, that was on SNL. That's on the Lonely Island. Right. Iconic music video, and like this came out like when I was in middle school. Banger of a song. I listened to it again. Duh, this morning when I was making my list. And I was like, I got to put this on there, right? On a boat like Leo. Amazing song. <laughs> amazing Sandberg. lyric. T-Pain, right, goes off in it, okay? Talk about a throwback. Uh, probably playing at a college somewhere with a mask on right now. But I'm going, I'm on a boat. Fourth pick.
1: That's a great pick. So, man, I don't – there's so many on the board. I I know you picked the Jamie Foxx song, and I want to pick the obvious Jamie Foxx song. Not a feature. Full song. I'm not sure. Oh, man. All right, we'll do it. Bradley Cooper, Maybe It's Time, From A Star Is Born. Bradley <laughs> Cooper. What can you say? Just I think at the Oscars it said it all, where he just jumped on the piano with Lady Gaga, and like Lady Gaga, Unbelievable Voice, arguably the best voice and best voice in the game right now. But Bradley Cooper, like he just pulled that out of his back pocket. He's kind of not taking up the stage with Lady Gaga, but showing like I could be with you on this stage, like side right. by side. And his voice is that demeanor, that grittiness, toughness in it, but yet elegance to add on to that and complement it. And maybe it's time. Like people always think of Shallow, like Lady Gaga going hard. Right. And, but maybe it's, it's time. Just
0: let the old things die. Just such
1: a great like campfire, like bonfire song. Grab the guitar and just uh-huh. play it outside at midnight with your friends.
0: That's one where like I that was a better pick than Shallow because that's where it's Bradley Cooper show, right? It's him, mm. him and a mic and a greasy greasy dive bar, right? Grabs the mic and then he goes off, right? And mm-hmm. in, in the movies at that trans bar or something like that, where you went to go get a drink, but uh. That that was the scene, right? When he started singing. I, it was right,
1: yeah, was right before that. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah. yeah.
0: Or no, yeah, yeah. So it's when he met Lady Gaga's character, right? When he they asked him to sing a song.
1: Oh, you're right. You're right. You're right. You're right. I was, I'm thing? thinking of a different song.
0: He might have sang in two different parts of the song, to be honest.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Okay, good pick. I, I I love Bradley Cooper in that. All movie. right,
1: last pick. pick. Last pick for you.
0: Okay. I could go Vin Diesel right now could go Vin Diesel right it now. would be worthy I feel like we're disrespecting someone so hard on this list especially because I had uh Marky Mark on this list I gotta include this person I'm gonna go with a Will Smith
1: song but I gotta choose this which is important one. which one this is I important because I have a clear number one there for Will Smith.
0: one that is clearly number one but then I have like my favorite you know what I mean like I'm gonna go getting jiggy with it. I'm going get jiggy with it as the number one pick. Judging by your reaction, that doesn't look like the one you wanted me to go with. I know which one you wanted me to go with.
1: It's just incorrect. But go on,
0: your thoughts. You, you I mean, getting jiggy with it. Nah, 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 nah. It, it's an iconic dance song, and and like I think it's the one most associated with Will Smith. But even the one that you were expecting to pick, that's not the one I was debating. That's mm-hmm. not the one I was debating. I feel like you you thought I was gonna pick Welcome to Miami.
1: Miami, welcome to Miami. I, Unreal I, 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 karaoke I song.
0: Getting jiggy with it's better. And if I was gonna pick a second song, it'd be
1: Switch. Switch is a good one. Ay, ay, oh, yeah. Oh, put around now. Ay, ay, ay. that's a, that's a
0: sick song. Everyone forgets about that one. I kind like, a
1: really good song.
0: I'm I, I Change my pick to it. Can I do that? Can I change? Just switch my Will Smith. <laughs> I You're, already made the. May, You're may, still
1: your. Hand, I have not picked yet. Your hand is still on the checker checkerboard.
0: Yes, I'm switching it to switch. <laughs> How about that? Okay, there's
1: a quick switch there by Doctor O for his final pick.
0: Switch Will Smith. I, I I can't pander to the audience and pick getting jiggy with it because that'd be like the obvious one. That that'd be me doing it for the graphic. So mm-hmm. I'm gonna go switch.
1: Okay, my last pick. So, I am not going Will Smith or Jamie Foxx, even though I just raved about those two guys. I'm going Joaquin Phoenix and Reese Witherspoon. Ooh. But there's two songs with, this du- with, a duet by, uh, with duets from uh-huh. Walk the Line. And wow. I'm going to go It Ain't Me, Babe as the song. That's,
0: so, that's, that's a great pick.
1: I think Reese Witherspoon needs to, like – sing more just like release an album okay i think she's a phenomenal uh singer got an oscar basically and also joaquin i rat this is going to be the hottest take but i rather listen to him sing johnny cash songs than johnny cash sing johnny cash songs i i honestly have in my spotify this album of walk the line me too dude oh dude uh uh, we have a camera on right
0: now Mm. i have a walk the line poster in my room I got, oh yeah! Right. One of my favorite movies. See right there. Iconic mm-hmm. poster. Um, I just showed the poster for those that are listening. Uh, literally what? one of my favorite movies, and I agree one hundred percent, Ricky folks. We've had this conversation before. Listeners don't know, obviously, but we'd rather hear Joaquin sing over Johnny Cash.
1: Right, and also Jackson was the one I was con- contemplating with. Like we're going to Jackson. I made the right pick. And That's a-, a great song too, and duet. Baby me. All oh, looking for babe. And right. I, I had to include Reese Witherspoon. Like I couldn't pick like Walk the Line or other famous Johnny Cash songs that Joaquin sings so well in the movie because Reese Witherspoon was just too good of a singer to just right. disclude from this top billing, this list. So I, have, I had to include one of the duets.
0: I had Walk the Line. So you, so want to go over the list before we uh, start going? Okay. Over? So
1: Dr. O's top billing. Good Vibrations, Marky Mark, Mark Wahlberg, Gold Digger, Jamie, uh, Con- uh, Kanye West, Jamie Foxx as a feature, Chan- uh, Hanukkah Song, Adam Sandler, I'm on a Boat, <laughs> Annie Sandberg and the Lonely-, <laughs> the Lonely Boys, Switch, Will Smith, Ricky Flix's uh, top billing, Jared Leto, The Kill, Robin Williams, You've Got a Friend, Friend Like Me, You're Welcome, The Rock. <laughs> Maybe it's time. Bradley Cooper, it ain't me, babe. Joaquin Phoenix and Reese Witherspoon. So
0: I. So what we did differently is that you did like musical performances in movies, and I went more for outside. Uh, like all of mine are like outside of movies. You Know what I mean? Mm-hmm. That's where we kind of differ. So it's and so when people are going through the graphic when they're voting, they're gonna be kind of going two different directions. We'll see how they go.
1: Mm-hmm. But yeah, it's honorable mentions. Do you have any? Oh yeah. Oh my god! So I, I we didn't say blame it by Jamie I I, I was debating it the entire top The
0: thing is, like, if you said a certain artist, I wanted to say a different one. You know what I mean? Like if like of you course. said like uh like I had some Joaquin Phoenix songs from Walk the Line on there, I couldn't say it if you said it. So that kind of like hurt the list in a way. So we got songs like Blame It getting left off, getting jiggy with it left off, obviously. Miami, um, shallow. Bradley Cooper, although it has a. Like, yeah. One.
1: Like, if you look at that, I don't consider, like, Shadow being acceptable to this list or, like, a Greek song with Olivia it's Newton a, John. It's a gold digger those, right. I know. But but Gold Digger's different. <laughs> those, like I, like. I think it's just completely. I think it's a little different. But another one, uh, Wolf Farrell and any of his performances, like, wow. Sepa's Porte Velar or, um, like, Stranger in Fiction. parts
0: Parteiro. Like, yeah
1: yeah 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 and then um like the whole wide world by reckless eric and stranger than fiction by will ferrell
0: like dust in the wind we count that cover
1: wind old school yeah that's great beautiful uh we didn't no one went vin diesel no one went vin diesel it was on the on, like on my honorable mentions for sure you know it was also on mine
0: that i had another will smith one is fresh prince theme song
1: oh that would have been great
0: Uh, Oh man! What else? No Idris.
1: No Idris Elba. No No, Idris Elba. I just had sex alone on (laughs) the island. Yeah, you could just you could rattle off the entire list there. Those are great. No, but uh,
0: uh, Idris Elba, like he's great, and like I would love to hear him do a set. But do I know a song by him? Absolutely not.
1: Right. Yeah. Like I wish I did.
0: I would great. Mm -hmm.
1: Yeah, but like all the ones that I have, like any song from La La Land or Blues Brothers would. John Belushi and uh, Jim, uh, John Belushi and Dan Aykroyd, Soul Man. Yeah, just yeah unbelievable song. And t- it just like, you know, like Eddie right. Murphy. Eddie Murphy, another great one. Like party any all single. The time. Yeah, party all the time. Uh, he he has actually a good album, all the time. like a famous good album. Bruce Willis
0: has a song.
1: Yeah, I'm, I'm in love with that. What's but, that
0: one with Joe Pesci that it was using to promote Goodfellas? Oh like, God!
1: Oh God!
0: It's a lot awful, but it's hilarious at the same time.
1: We gotta insert that, but oh,
0: I mean, oh yeah, let's do that. Let's tweet that out.
1: But um, yeah, I think that was good top billing. I think I won with my var- definitely wide variety, but I think yours comes <laughs> in think, I think close boat second.
0: To get me the win, dude.
1: We'll see. We'll see. But anything else you want to add before we wrap up this episode, Doc?
0: No, I think that covers it. Very nicely done, Ricky Flex, with the top billing. So that does it for this, uh, our seventh episode of the Drive In Pod. Make sure you like, comment, subscribe on all the blog post make sure you follow us on instagram at the drive-in pod and then uh our twitter which is what ricky flex make sure you follow us on twitter
1: at the drive-in pod
0: it's at the drive-in pod okay uh we are on apple uh apple podcast we are on spotify we are on soundcloud make sure you give us a listen and then mention us to all your friends all right thank you and smell you later did i
1: tell you i day of my life. You didn't run, you didn't hide, you knew I wanted just to hold you. And had you gone, you knew in time we'd meet again, for I'd have told you, ooh, you were meant to be near me, ooh.
0: I want you to hear me say We'll be together every day
1: Gotta get you into my life What can I do, what can I be When I'm with you, I wanna say